Hey everybody, Dominic Neshi here from Wealthy here with Tiffy. Hi, how are you? And the great Nigel Cumberland from Silk Road Partnerships. Now, a short story about Nigel. I was reading his, I got a book handed over to me for Christmas and it was 100 things successful people should do. I don't know if this person was trying to tell me something and implying something, but I did read that book. I was absolutely enthralled by the information that came through. And right at the back of the book, it said, Nigel had written, you know, please contact me with some feedback. And what we did is reached out and said, hey, Nigel, would you mind jumping on the show? And he absolutely said, yes, but he said, go read all my other books in advance. So we, we went over and read a couple of the other books. And Nigel, thank you very much for jumping on the show. Not at all. It's great to be here. And um, I'm happy to share some of my experiences and words of wisdom to hopefully help as many other listeners as possible on their own journeys. Well, it sounds like you have a wealth of experience. I've done a little bit of research, but I, I suppose you'd know your story better than mine. Um, would you like to just give us a little bit of an overview and you know, your, your, your journey from, from basically seeing your executive working in some place, exiting a business and you know, writing a bucket load of books? Yeah, yeah. so um, I'm, on, I'm at the half century, so it's 30 years since university or thereabouts. So it was um, the first third of that corporate career. I was in finance, the finance director eventually with UK multinationals, example in Hong Kong, China. I wanted a break for different reasons and ended up in Hong Kong um, setting up a recruitment company, which I eventually sold to Hayes, the UK listed firm in 2006. And then since then, I began coaching. Yeah, I began coaching and mentoring people by request. It kind of fell into it. I thought this is a cool business and I at the same time began writing, really taking off with the writing in the last five years, um, which is really enjoyable because I get royalty revenue. It helps me market. I can sort of not need to be training and coaching leaders and teams all the time. I can be a little bit selective. I can have breathing spaces. And through the writing, I've done a lot of speaking, conferences, events. And I'm astonished by the, the stories I'm hearing and the patterns which have gone into my recent books, 100 Things Successful Leaders Do, 100 Things Millionaires Do, and the one you mentioned, 100 Things Successful People Do. So it's people, millionaires, and leaders, a kind of trilogy, you might say. Mm. And um, the feedback's really good. So I'm happy to share some more today with you. Well, can we just start with uh, first 100 Things Successful People Do? Um, what I found yeah. profound or what I really enjoyed about your book is I, I found going through the book, it, it points to so many pieces of literature that I, I've, I've sort of stumbled across in my sort of self-development journey. And you've managed to sort of compile all those key learnings into a number of well, 100 chapters that you can kind of dip into you know, for a source of inspiration or a reminder or a new key habit that you can sort of use in your daily life. Um, was that sort of the intention of it, or how do you sort of suggest that people jump into these books and use it? And well, um, your, your summary there is very good. Let me just talk about the history of it, and then talk about the how people can use the book. I, as I coach many leaders in the last sort of fifteen years and their teams with multinationals and governments and SMEs, I began to take a note of the smaller things that people were or weren't doing. You know, I might be there helping a leader, for example, focus on gravitas and delegation. But then I'd realize maybe they weren't sleeping enough, or they were having issues at home that they were carrying to work, or they weren't eating well enough, or they weren't forgiving a past colleague for some wrongs they've done. 
And I realized these smaller things as I begin to, as I begin to list them, they're actually really important to share back to people. I have my own as well for my own life. So actually arriving at 100 may sound like a lot, but wasn't that difficult. And how people can read it, yeah, you're right. Just dip into it, skim read it. I have people who read it from 1 to 100 and then write to me. Others kind of dip into it. Others mark pages and send me photographs of which of the, the two-page chapters were most impactful, even asking the questions. Mm, okay. And, and Tiffy, have you, have you got anything that you wanted to tip in there? I see you nodding and smiling the whole time that I'm chatting here. I want to read it first and <laughs> foremost. And I, I can relate to a lot of what I'm hearing without having read the book. I, I come from the corporate world and I've had good and bad bosses. I've had times where I've been in a better place than others. And it's how the, the things that he was mentioning, like so sometimes you need to um, be in a good space yourself to be able to project that into your team. And I could 100% understand how this can help anyone really. I really like that because it's a holistic approach about being, you know, well-being and getting the most out of, you know, your everyday experience. Um, now, I'd like to just jump over quickly to 100 Things Millionaires Do because this podcast really is about building wealth. Um, and what I really liked about 100 Things Millionaires Do is there was some there was some surprising things in there. It was some nods or nods to things that you shouldn't do or, so, or things that million, millionaires you'd notice didn't do that was as important as things that they did do. Um, can you talk to some of those things there that, you, that, that things to keep away from if you want to be a millionaire? Good point, by the way. And I got to just say that a lot of things in the book are, are mindset related. There's yeah. some things which, you, as you can see, are kind of investment related. But I leave that, that the bulk of the, the depth of the investment advice to investment experts. Mm. But it, when it comes back to kind of being successful, there are all kinds of things that people shouldn't do or fail to do. For example, many don't have a plan. They don't know why they want to be wealthy. Don't know how wealthy they want to be. They're with the wrong people. People perhaps are bringing them down. Don't believe in them. Make fun. Um, so there's a procrastination. There's a sort of, I think one of the chapters, I, 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 I titled it, uh, What Are You Waiting For? Yes. Very common when I coach entrepreneurs who are perhaps, they've already started on the journey, but then they're delaying the expansion, the, the bringing in a partner, the what the, 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 the growing part. Um, rolling up your sleeves. It's surprising how we talk about, yes, it's going to be hard work, but often uh, without a reminder from a coach or a mentor, uh, um, an entrepreneur or someone working in the corporate world can just forget perhaps all the ways in which they could be persistent and, and spend more time. Was um, was there was there on. were there any key takeaways when you when you finished the hundred things that millionaires should do? I mean, it's it's a hundred, you know, smaller chapters, but it feels like there were a few common um, takeaways. Like there, that you alluded to a, a few. One is your why, so having a very clear um, driving force to help you get up exactly. in the morning and to do exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, and, and you're right. There's the why. Yep. Well, there's also the how, the how, and it, it, it sounds easy to sort of give people advice, say, on property investment or investing in funds or maximizing your salary and, rev and remuneration. But when you're looking to, to, to 
grow. But not everyone has that clarity of how they're going to build up their wealth. And also the, the, the with, with whom, in what form. And, and then it's, uh, it's allowing changes to happen. For example, are you ready to take on more responsibility? Um, are you ready to start, um, as you invest in certain areas, really keeping an eye on them, checking in? So it's changing behaviors that some people don't do so well. May, may I ask yeah, there you, are some common things. Yeah, go on. May I ask you um, about the who there? Because when I did jump into that chapter, it was funny to read, you know, basically a wealth creation book or a book about millionaires and hearing about more or less the social side of things. And, you know, are you a proponent for, the, you know, your 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 net worth is your network or you know the five people that you hang around with most will have a great impact on how you live your life and then therefore you know change your mindset and 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 so on and so forth um well first of all everyone's unique so i'm almost saying um yes you could be a horrible aggressive um leader or entrepreneur and you could be very successful well um, financially However, on average, to be successful, you need to have people to want to be uh, working with you, investing in you, supporting you. You want to have the, 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 the relationship manager in the bank actually liking you, mm. valuing you, finding you open, finding you honest, seeing integrity, trusting you. So, yes, um, you, you are the, the five people around you. Has, it's slightly simplistic, that, that concept, but it has truth to it. But seriously, if you want to um, change your ambitions, if you want to push yourself, then you really need to be with people who are not, at least not doing the opposite, pulling you down, not believing in you, draining your energy, whether we call them toxic people or whatever. And maybe they're great people. It's just for what you're wanting to achieve, it might be wrong to spend lots of time with them, which is why I also noticed I've had the same experience myself. It's business partnerships. not easy to find the ideal partners. I have one now in the Silk Road Partnership, or a couple, I should say. In the past, I've struggled. And I think, I think it's really about trial and error. And at the same time as working out who am I working with to become more successful, it's also about how am I as well. How am I changing and developing? That's that's a trending topic. So we've done a podcast recently where it was the how we it's a lot of people have a why and then they struggle to put it into action in that every day and how they they start going for that i like that there's also the home in this particular topic can can i ask um you're now a, a coach right and yes is that your intention that you also help with the home um often i do i do things like um relationship or stakeholder mapping Who do you know? Why do you know them? How are they helpful for your future? I'm not saying stop connecting with people whom, who, with whom you're just friendly, but think about where do you need to invest more time in a give and take relationship to help either your career, your business, or your investment. Um, but can I also add, in addition to the, the whom and the what and the how, there's also the when and the where. Mm. And there's a question of there's a, there's a question of timing. I don't, I don't just mean when we enter and leave markets, etc. The kind of classic investment timing of property, of property and share markets, etc., etc. Mm. So when are you ready? When are you ready? And there's a 
there's a cliche of we're never ready, so act now. But there's also a balance, counterbalance that of, well, what do I do now? What do I do later? And, and then, of course, the where, uh, which is often dictated by who we are, where we live, what we know. But perhaps there needs to be a little bit of research and broadening and looking beyond perhaps what seems obvious. Because I think there's always a danger of staying in our comfort zones. Yeah, that's fascinating. As you were talking, it was reminding me of a few things. So when you're when you're with different people, I think it expands your mindset as to what's actually available and it helps release or get rid of some of those limiting beliefs. Because if you are in a specific demographic circle or you hang around the same type of people that are all doing the same things that you're doing, you can be you can get trapped by a certain level of thinking. So for instance, I'm sitting across from TV yeah. today and normally someone would say you can't invest in real estate if you don't have any money. You know? But if you remove that limiting belief that you don't actually need money to invest in real estate, Tiffy's gone out and found great opportunities where if you have a really good investment opportunity, you'll find money. Someone will come along for the ride. It may mean that you don't have 100% ownership or 100% ownership of the property or the business or the idea. But if you've got the limiting belief that I need this in order to proceed or I need to live in that country or I need to have so much money, then you're kind of going to be trapped by that thought. By, by hanging out with people like Tiffy or yourself or going to different groups, it really does, I think, broaden your mind to what's actually available to you, and which is so much more. I agree. That's agreed. Totally agreed. And I'm happy to hear that story about Tiffany has success. And it really is about it really is about exploring and doing and, and newness, and so yeah, being open. But it's also about owning owning what are your beliefs, and maybe some of them you don't want to change. It's like I've got friends and family who don't want to leave where they were brought up, or are happy to stay in the same sector or job for most of all of their career. And it's just owning that, and it's saying, okay, that's not. Oh, not may not be a limitation, but it certainly limits in some way. But let me work around that. Let me work with that. But you're right. A lot of my work as a coach, helping managers, leaders, entrepreneurs, is to help them look at their beliefs, um, their behaviors, their values, what's driving them, who's driving them, and question that and say, is that really you? Maybe there are some obligations you have. You've got to fund your parents, or you, you have to be involved in the family business. So let's accept that and maybe make sure it's, 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 it's as clear as it can be. Then let's just work with that to help you then on your path to success. So let me just point to another topic that I really, I loved when I when I came across it. And you, you talk about luck um, yeah. and, you know, more or less engineering your own luck. And you, you, you had a story where you said, you know, you were lucky to have met David Beckham and to hung out with the Real Madrid, Real Madrid team. But in fact, yeah. you know, you had a, a technique. There was method to your madness and to putting yourself in a position to be lucky. Are you happy to share that story? Uh, I will. It was, it was about 2003. Real Madrid were visiting Hong Kong as part of an Asia tour. And David Beckham had just joined Los Galacticos, as they were called at the time. And I was really keen to be involved and connect with them. And I, and I speak reasonable Spanish. And I was living and working in Hong Kong at the time. And I contacted the Hong Kong Football Association, offering to be a translator. Just for that, just for the few days they'd be in town, and they accepted, and and I was given open access to be with the team. I was given a hotel room in the Hyatt where they were staying. I was had access to the 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 dugout, and the irony was, I rarely had to translate 
in Spanish. I remember once when David was speaking, I had to help someone understand what he, what he was saying in English, which I think we all laughed about. But I really had to speak Spanish, except once when, um, when they were playing a game. But, so yeah, it seems like fantastic luck. But I had the, the, um, the nerve or courage to sort of, and, and to find out who I need to call or speak to in the Hong Kong Football Association. And lo and behold, they said yes. That's awesome. There you are. You know, I there love that. I, I like putting yourself in a position to be lucky. Unless you put the application in, you wouldn't have been lucky enough to go and, and, and have that. Now, I want to sort of pivot a little bit away and, and ask you a couple of little questions, a little bit more, um, I want to say esoteric, but then also some tactical ones. Uh, the first question I want to ask you here is, how would you define someone as being financially wealthy? What's your sort of definition of someone that's that's wealthy? Good question. And that's a question actually that um, I was actually asked recently by someone else I met who was reading my book. Um, I think it's to do with how you feel. It's how comfortable you are. It's about have you got less worry moving forward? Can you can you kind of tell that you're you can you can pay off things that you're not having to worry about. You've got to find the income for the future to pay for property, education, kids, pension, retirement, etc. So sure, you may be wealthy and the income hasn't come yet, but you're feeling wealthy because you have some nice passive or rec- and or recurring income foreseen. So it really does vary. And, and I, cannot, I cannot give you a, a dollar figure because if we're in different parts of the world, and at the moment I'm in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, where people can feel extremely wealthy um, with an amount of money, which is probably far less than in Sydney or London, you become, you'd, you'd kind of feel, yeah, that's enough for me to feel comfortable. And, and you said something there that I picked up because we're massive proponents for it, but the word passive having passive income. Exactly. It's rather like my royalties from my books or um, I'm also doing LinkedIn learning training courses, which will also produce royalties. And some of the, um, I think they're amazing, aren't they? If you can have them. And also from investments. Mm. Um, they, they are wonderful things to have. And I think they can be, they can be a link of semi-passive and semi-recurring as well. But I have some training, I have some clients with whom I, I, I do training and it, it's reasonably recovering. So my effort is required though. So I, so I wouldn't call it passive, but there's a certain, um, I know it's going to come kind of thing. Yeah, so that yeah, makes there's sense. pure passive and semi-passive, yeah. And also, yeah. sorry, just to comment on that, um, sometimes people will say, but like that required a lot of effort in the setup, like writing a book required effort for you to get then get paid royalties when you're setting up your system with properties. The first couple of months, if you have to deal with a renovation, it, it, it won't be passive, but once everything is set up, that's when the passive income starts, right? And I believe uh, the more creative, yeah. the better, and the, the more sources, which I'm guessing now you're getting more and more sources of passive income. Yeah, no, Tiffany, you're quite right. Um, my wife and I, uh, in the past, have, have renovated properties here in Kuala Lumpur, and we might have spent a year um, working with the building firm to renovate, or sometimes to rebuild. And writing a book, um, it's at least six months of, of writing every day in my available time, and it's often planning them for much longer. So 
there is that time involved, but actually there's still the time involved also in getting your head around. So what do you, you know, do I want to write books? Do I want to renovate property? So mm. it's all about, yeah, investing the time and effort and trial and error and um, not giving up at the first hurdle or the first book. I mean, the first book I wrote didn't sell for a couple of thousand copies. I mean, but if I had, if I decided to, ju- to, um, to judge my quality as an author on my first book sale, I should have given up. But no, I felt it's a passion. I can do it well. And I've got other topics. And that first book was way back now in the early 2000s. Um, so it's a little bit about basing your time you invest on, well, what interests you? Where do you think you'll comfortably put in more effort? Go the extra mile. Read the extra reports. Um, you know, my wife loves to check renovated properties and check for cracks and changes and you know, so mistakes and things. And it, if she didn't have that ability, then perhaps we wouldn't have been so successful in renovating properties. Mm. So she has a body of knowledge. You, you've invested in the time, the learning, but also having a small yeah. passion for it that's going to help you get through the yeah. six months of working your ass off and finding yeah. the time, as you said. Um, may I ask you... Yeah. Um, what piece or top piece of advice would you give to, I've got a couple age groups because I feel like every age group has a different sort of strategy, but I could be wrong. For someone that's in that sort of 20 to 30 age group, if they want to be wealthy or to, to build a financially wealthy life. It is chapter 13 of my 100 things millionaires do. The title is, Stop leaking money. Yes. Really make sure the salary you're earning, which probably isn't that much, unless you're a really successful investment banker on the tech world, where you should be watching every every dollar or pound you're spending. And just make sure you don't have any um, useless subscriptions. Just make sure you're not going mad buying fancy lattes every day, repeatedly. Just to sort of make sure you can put enough aside and you're getting into that habit of not spending everything you're earning on little weekend breaks and holidays as many young people do. And I don't, I don't blame them. I don't deny them that. Maybe find a balance. Mm. Mm. I love that. I really love that because I, you know, I have younger siblings and lots of younger friends and I feel that they want things today and they feel like the amount that they're saving is meager and in some instances, yeah. it's true. It is a meager amount that you are saving. But I think that the habit, the discipline is going to pay dividends once you've saved, you know, the $1,000 or two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 over the, the couple of years that you're sort of grinding away. Because later on, if you've got those disciplines, it's much, much easier for you. Yeah, if you've been spending the last 10 years parting hard, even if you settle down and have a family, then you'll be yeah. parting some yeah. other way, right? <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. And um, I wonder whether people in their 20s, give or take, uh, their parents have been quite successful and perhaps, I can't blame them, perhaps they see life being a bit easier. Let me me enjoy life. Mm. Whereas perhaps early generations, I think even myself in my 20s, probably thought like, let me work hard for the future. Uh, perhaps Perhaps I didn't enjoy my 20s as much as they do now. (laughs) <laughs> so, I mean, so it's all, it's all about us. <laughs> and, and how would you defer this answer? So what advice would you give someone if now you're talking in the 30 to 40-year-old bracket, age bracket? Um, I haven't got a simple one there. It's, a, it's more of a combination. I think it's by that, by, that, by that age, 
make sure you know yourself. So really kind of get a sense for what your strengths are. Where, do, where can you add value, create value? Um, do you have the confidence of investing in a few buy selects in your city? Do you have the, the interest? Do you think you've got the time to kind of manage that process? If you're in a certain career and you're staying in that career to want to grow, are you kind of investing time and effort to make sure you have the right relationships and the right skills and your, you know, stuff like gravitas and looking to grow your career? Um, and are you comfortable with whom, whom you're relying? Because by the 30, your 30s and 40s, hopefully you become quite a good judge of people. Mm. Be, who should you be dropping? Who sh- who's toxic? Who's not helping you? Have you got an investment advisor who's all talk? And you're realizing, actually, I should be... I shouldn't just rely on that one. I should be talking to a few others, um, even at my bank or whatever. Or should I be going online now and doing some trading, not relying upon the, the local stockbroker with the high fees? So, yeah, I think it's, it's using the fact you've lived through your 20s and 30s and somehow going a bit deeper with your choices and decisions. And hopefully by your 40s, you've established where you wish to be successful in terms of your life and financially. Is, are you in the right career? Are you beginning to think about what assets, what things you'd like to acquire um, and, and create? And I guess it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing journey, but still, if you miss an opportunity, you risk reaching your 50s and feeling, worrying about your future, feeling you haven't done enough to be able to come to live on in later life. So it sounds like you need to be a lot more tactical. You need to be very self-aware. Um, and, and that's when you've got to really nail in and do the work or do the hard work and kind of take a good, deep, hard look at yourself and the people around you and say, well, have the habits and things that I've done to date served me well? And, uh, you know, if I keep on doing the same things I've always done, I'm going to keep on getting what I've got. So I need to change something and, and fast because we're running out of time. Now, may I ask you about this upcoming book of yours? I, I don't know if it's out yet, but The 100 Things Successful Leaders Do, is that out? Um, where can we find it? Can you tell us a little bit about it? That, that's coming out in June in the, the UK and I believe at the same time in Australia and around the world uh, in the English language market. Mm. It, compl- it complements 100 Things Millionaires Do and 100 Things Successful People Do, but isn't the same content. The occasional overlap, for example, emotional intelligence is important for all of us. But the leaders one is based on the fact that a lot of the time I'm coaching leaders. Different job titles, but they're in leadership positions. Sometimes very senior, sometimes mid-level. And I wanted to go beyond the obvious, the obvious skills of delegating well and you know having a vision to, to some of the smaller stuff. Um, stuff like mastering office politics, um, interviewing like a professional. Projecting positivity, um, letting other people lead and, and have the limelight, um, empowering your team, a whole getting your hands dirty. So it, it's in the same kind of style as the, as the other book, but aimed specifically at managers and leaders today and people going into leadership roles. That's interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. And so, of course, there's going to be 100 chapters again. (laughs) Is there one... The same same thing. Go on. (laughs) Is there one that you... um, It's your big takeaway and it's not the obvious 
suggestions that you would give anyone in that those I, I agree with the small de little details and how the everyday little details will make the best leaders and um, is there something non-obvious that you you would want to mention right now oh not obvious I'm looking at the list of chapters now and thinking what is not obvious there's a, there's a few but you're asking for one um, um, the one that you want to leave today with our audience the, no, the, the, there's, a, there's a few which link. I think walking your talk and being the real you, being authentic. Yes. Finding out who you really are and stop being aggressive because that's how you, your boss was in the past or how you think you have to be. Stop micromanaging because you love details and you're a bit nerdy. It's about just doing the right thing and, 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 and aligning it with who you are. What's your style? If you're an introvert, maybe you can't be that, that fast-spoken extrovert style of leader. You have to just be comfortable in your slower and more reflective and you will speak less in in discussions. So so work with that. Um, and get your ego out of the way. Try and try and get try and seek meaning. Sure, you want to be promoted, you want to be visible, you want to be successful, but at the same time, if you're leading other people, ensure that they shine and and also as you work towards the bottom line. Remember the bigger picture, this whole issue of purpose and social value and sustainability. Be interested in all that. So yes, you'll be achieving your team sales targets or finance targets or whatever business targets, but be really open to the bigger picture because I think it's, it's becoming such a big thing now yeah. that we're all, we're all realizing it that's how we have to be as organizations and leaders. I couldn't agree more. Now, I think it might clash with some big corporations, what you're suggesting. So the whole be authentic, be yourself, and not care too much about the targets, which I can relate to. <laughs> I, I told yeah. my boss once, I, I honestly don't wake up to to get a better gross margin every day. Like, that's not my big goal. And she was, and she's like, but that's one of your targets. It's like, yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> I was like, and, and there yeah. was a clash. Um, and and I couldn't agree more. And that's how I think you, you, you can relate to others and others can look up to you. But how do you handle like that with organizations that don't necessarily agree with? Well, it's going to start with some well, of the leaders in there, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that's where you need to decide do you stay? Mm. Or do you leave? Mm. Or do, do, you, do, do you hang in there? And think about, do I, am I getting other things? Am I, getting, am I being motivated? Am I, am I working with great people? Um, but at some point, a really astute leader that's really aware of themselves, and it sounds like the three of us are really are open to self-help and development, but we're aware of ourselves. We would not stay in a working environment or culture where the direction doesn't flow with us. And you read a lot of stories now. We, we, we read stories, don't we, about people who are leaving the corporate world um, for these different... I'm, I'm reading a moment, um, there's a, the latest Monocle magazine, someone who became a beekeeper, being in business, became a mm. beekeeper. Someone else was in business, has a small hotel um, <laughs> somewhere in the world. And I, I think we're seeing more and more of those stories because we're sure. almost... Yeah. I, I, I did mention this in a previous podcast. I have a Facebook group called Career Change Support for Millennials. Um, and, and that's led 
through me wanting to change my career for a long while. And that's what I've done in the last year. And and agree. And that's why a lot of people who come from the corporate world end up leaving because they cannot bring their home the whole selves to work and they're not inspired by people around them. And if you want to be authentic and you are starting to think where you what what you want to do with your life, where you want to go, what's your why, that's where you start considering, okay, I need a change of career. Mm, sounds like we've got to do a bit of reflection and, and it's all this literature that really helps us bring it all and you know help us synthesize it find out what our true north is and what do we want to do with our life which let me ask you this next question nigel um aside from obviously your own books what would you say is part of your holy grail of reading or what's one book that you've handed over to the, your friends and, and you said this is a book that you must read um, the one that comes to mind isn't an obvious business leadership book. Mm. It's the Brazilian writer, Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist. Alchemist, yes. The, the, the Journey of Finding Yourself. Yes. And I, I really am into these simpler ones, like Jonathan Livingston Siegel by Richard Bach, which came out in the 70s, one of the older versions out of print now. These older versions, these stories of a journey and of finding yourself. And I think that's, that's the story of humanity. And we... We, we do most of that in the business world because that's, that's where we spend most of our awake hours earning a living. Mm. And, and now we're talking a lot about this true north, finding yourself. And it isn't easy for businesses because people maybe are speaking up about, I don't like this, I want more of this. And it can be frustrating to a leader when, when a young millennial expresses their opinions. Mm. But it's better they're honest. It's better we allow the honesty and openness and try and work with it. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. I absolutely love that book. I, I kind of dip into it every now and then. And, and, and with like all good books, you pick it up, you have a read and like, oh, that was interesting. I didn't see that last time. There's like a chapter that resonates for what you're doing and your point in your life, you know, what's current now, what's happening to you. Nigel, I know that you're a busy man. We don't want to take up too much more of your time. So I want to say thank you very much for jumping on the podcast. Um, you've written some brilliant books. I can't tell you now if I hand your book to someone else, they're going to see 50 or 60 different dog ears in there. So. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And my email address is on the last page of all of my books. I do invite people to find me on social media. And it's so wonderful to get feedback from from readers who share their stories and link it to one or two of my chapters and sometimes ask me questions. So it becomes more of a real kind of thing than just writing a book that I never know who's reading. Mm. That's so amazing. Being able to, is it, it's a two-way street, right? So you're it, getting it, feedback. That's it, amazing. Con congrats it, on your books. Well, if you ever come to Thank Australia, you. we welcome you on the podcast I, again. I am, there, I, am there, I am there quite often. So when, I, when, I, when I'm in Sydney, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll, I'll forewarn you both. Oh, Great. fantastic. We will do, do a face-to-face. -face. We absolutely will. Thank you very much, Nigel, and we'll, we'll see you soon.